Welcome to Book of Bottom Podcast, where we've got the lawyers back and we're going to tackle Alma, which starts with a horrible sentence that I just can't wait to break down for you all. Hi, everyone. Hello. Hi. <laughs> so you made it out of Burning Man. That's good, Brother Benjamin. <laughs> yes, I did make it successfully out of Burning Man. Brother Ben, were you one of the people walking around naked or did you have an interesting <laughs> rave outfit that we need to know about? <laughs> Assless chaps, maybe? Ooh. <laughs> That would not be a good look for me, I don't feel like. <laughs> Doesn't go with the beard. No, I mean, I'm not unwilling. Just that's a lot of sunscreen. That is, <laughs> that is a lot of sunscreen. I think people who go naked are a lot more interesting than people who just wear like fuzzy outfits. <laughs> I packed a ton of rave kind of clothes. Like I have these mesh shirts and all kinds of crap. And I wore almost none of it because it was just mostly about wanting to be comfortable. And not wet. Yeah. <laughs> Did you run into Chris Rock or Diplo? I did not run into Diplo, no, or Chris Rock. Probably for the best. Did you see any <laughs> famous people? If I saw them, I didn't recognize them as famous people. Uh, I mean, they probably look different when they're naked. <laughs> probably, and your eyes are drawn to uh, other places than... <laughs> the rule of Burning Man, from what I understand, is there's no money, so you have to bring things to exchange. So what did you bring? Oh, there's no exchanging either. Oh. Eh. I mean, it's not supposed to be barter. It's not supposed to be all good you a beer if you give me a blowjob. I don't know, like, <laughs> I'd be really expensive beer, admittedly, but uh. I just like the alliteration. You are supposed to bring things. So like the camp that I was with, we contributed wine tasting. That's awesome. Yeah. Nice. And it was super wet for a couple of days and <laughs> you can't really get anywhere when it gets wet because clay just sticks to everything. Uh. I tried it out and we were fine. Ooh. Well, I'm glad you made it back. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we've got a few news stories that have cropped up since the last lot. The church reappeals the tithe fraud suit by James Huntsman. Now, the last thing we heard about James Huntsman, the courts were letting him have a case against the church. He's making the claim that clergy lied about what they were using tithe funds for, but they're reappealing it. If you're going to lie to somebody in order to induce them to give you money, that's typically considered fraud. But I mean, I guess churches are allowed to do that. Seems like churches are allowed to do anything. Most of the time, what they're promising you is something that can be falsified. Right. The ruling sort of turned on when the church said tithing money wasn't used to build the mall, whether a reasonable person would understand that to mean just the money that the members gave or also to include the earnings on the money that the members gave because it was the earnings on the money that was used for the mall. Right. Mm. And the original court had said, no, it was really clear that tithing is just the money that the members donate. And the appeals court said, no, you could interpret that as meaning the earnings. Yeah, I'm excited to see what happens. I hope the guy gets his money back. <laughs> yeah, with interest. I don't think he really cares about the money. He's not from an unwealthy family. No, he's not. James Huntsman is actually Paul Huntsman's brother, who's on the board of the Salt Lake Tribune. He bought it, and then they put it into a nonprofit. Right. The other thing I wanted to ask you lawyers about is, I've heard of Ninth Circuit Court before, but what does that mean? Is there an Eighth Circuit Court? You've got the Supreme Court at the top, right? Okay. Below that are the appeals courts, and there are, I want to say, like 10 or 11 of them, although not all of them are called circuits. But there is a first through a ninth circuit, and those just represent different geographical areas within the United States. The ninth circuit is the court of appeals that represents a big chunk of the Western U.S. So it's not a shell so much as it's this area. It's just that area. That makes more sense, because like to have nine layers of courts, I'm 
thinking, oh, my God, that's an onion that will never be peeled <laughs> or appealed. <laughs> By the way, I included the picture of James Huntsman there in the notes. What a man. He looks like James Bond. He's very chiseled. He is. He also looks like a Star Trek villain or something. Mm. <laughs> but in the nicest possible way, not a villain. I think it's the skivvy, but also just so lean. Mm. Anyway, let's talk about Salt Lake City. Sorry to talk about yet another thing that Gigi probably doesn't have immediate knowledge of, although I don't know how California takes care of its homelessness. Maybe they don't have a lot of homelessness. We do. We have a ton. Oh, really? Yeah, it's bad. Because for a while, I don't know which court it was, but it was one of the higher up courts. (laughs) (laughs) They told the police they were no longer allowed to just go in and start tearing down like shanty towns. Like they had to give like due process, right? Mm. You know, you're taking somebody's home, basically, even if they're on the street. You know, it's not illegal to be poor. Right. So for a period of time, there was like a moratorium on doing any type of enforcement to get rid of like tent cities and things like that, which got so bad during the pandemic. Mm. So every major town started having huge encampments that actually were just staying. I think the moratorium lifted months ago and they're really trying to clean these places up using like social services. But it's hard because not everybody wants to get put into a shelter where they can't take their pet. They want to keep their pet or they want to keep their heroin or maybe both. Right. (laughs) It's a complicated issue. It's not just poverty. It's drugs. It's a lot of stuff. It's drugs. It's mental illness. No small amount of poverty and Mm -hmm. wildly out of reach housing. Yeah. So it's so expensive. There's a few areas in Salt Lake where the homeless kind of regularly camp, generally near services. Makes sense. And then periodically the police come in and they clear it out. And they're not doing that like, hey, we're here, get your shit and move. It's like they come through a few days before for and say we're going to come on this day and they bring people from the homeless shelters and stuff out with them but ultimately they're moving people out so they can clean up those spots and then they come back to the same spots eventually and that's just been a cycle for years i know they're trying to do some kind of modular home thing yeah sounds pretty interesting there's always been stuff yeah there's always been stuff yeah what they're trying to do now though is kind of like between a tent and the home they're trying to get a better standard of living, but also mass produce it. So there's going to be 50 of these modular spaces, which obviously isn't going to be enough. It's not going to suit everyone. But I guess if it works, maybe they'll make more of them. Yeah, Utah's trying. Utah's trying. No, they really are. (laughs) Like there's been a lot of money put at it on the state and the city level. It's not just being ignored. It's not just rousting people. But on the other hand, there's just a lot of hardcore homeless people who've been out on the streets for a long time. Getting them into a shelter, even if you had a place to put them to stay there and be able to take care of themselves is a hard thing. Right. So These modular spaces, they're following on from an example in Reno that has 45 of these mod pods. Yeah. Uh, someone's just here to check my door for fire safety. Hang on. Come on in. That's an interesting thing to have your door checked for. <laughs> well, everybody in America got an alert yesterday. Did you get yours? Yeah. I was reading on Reddit. Some people were thinking the government was getting into all of your electronics and you should turn off your electricity because name a conspiracy theory. Sure. They're just actually checking to see if the microchips from your vaccine still work. Right. (laughs) That's how it communicates new instructions and downloads the previous month's information. I don't know why I get in Facebook arguments with conspiracy theorists trying to talk sense into like my brother's father-in-law. And I'm like, the things that he says are so crazy. Blanket statements like the whole United States is going down the toilet and I actually engage and I'm like sending him facts and I'm pointing him in the direction of Snopes.com and I'm 
I'm like, it doesn't help. It doesn't do anything. The truth doesn't matter at all to a good proportion of the population. Then they just get more angry and defensive with every fact you put in their path. I don't know how you solve that problem. All you can do is just let people be how they're going to be. I'm waiting for that generation of craziness to die. But the problem is, is like more coming behind them. Every generation is crazy. We're crazy too. Mm. I know. You always got to keep staving off the crazy, even in yourself. Anyway, so talking about homelessness. When I was in Hollywood, there was a lot of homeless and the Catholic church around the corner from me, they would give away groceries. Mm. I've never seen that happen at the LDS church. No, they've never done it. (laughs) Granted, there are times when there's like a disaster. People would go down there and take aid to the LDS churches in that area, like to other members, not to the general public. Right. So they did do those kinds of good works. I thought they did have soup kitchens that they ran. They have them in Salt Lake, but the LDS church is not running them. They have made donations to local charities that provide those services. Okay. That's the response you always get when you ask the LDS church, hey, why are you doing that? Is, you know, here's all the money that we gave to this charity and this charity and this charity that provides homeless services in Salt Lake. There's not much interest in getting their hands dirty, so to speak, with actual people. It's just easier to write a check. And as we'll find out later in the reading, that might be because they want to be neat and comely. <laughs> well, who doesn't want to be? <laughs> In the article that was about these Mod Pods, the fellow they were interviewing mentioned that there can be some difficulty when people become dependent on these things. So if it's too good, there doesn't seem to be a push for them to make things better for themselves when they can just live okay in a camp. I think that's a valid argument and it just makes the whole situation crunchy. It's difficult. How do you help people? Unless you give that jumping off point, you'll never know which people will use it as a launch pad. I think it was in Colorado. They took a bunch of people that were homeless and they gave them various degrees of money. No strings attached. Some people got $1,000. Some people got $6,500 up front and then $500 a month after that. And then some people got like $50 a month. And what they found was that the people that got $1,000 a month and the people that even got $500 a month, but not so much the people that just got $50 a month, they used that money to go find housing. It's hard to get a job if you don't have stable housing. Place to take a shower, place to sleep. Mm-hmm. So it's like if you just house them, yeah, sure, some people are just going to live that low level of life for as long as they live. But you got to know those people don't live long. Probably not. Or they end up in jail. Mm. So how long could they possibly drag on our society? Because really, the fentanyl crisis is killing them all the time. It's not even really about the drag. It's about how do you best help people? I mean, the church has heaps of money they could throw at it. But the thing is, just throwing money at the problem doesn't fix it. I totally disagree. I think giving people money makes a huge difference. Ooh. Just giving people money. Absolutely. I love this. We've got differing opinions. How much does it cost taxpayers to just give somebody some money as opposed to constantly dealing with the homeless crisis and the police enforcement and the prison system? Sometimes giving people money really is the answer. What do you say, Brother Benjamin? I've given you Ayn Rand. We've got Gigi over here giving us pretty hard left. Yeah, socialist. <laughs> I think I'd have liked it better if you hadn't described it as Ayn Rand because I bet you'd be crazy. <laughs> you know, you've got these different populations that we sort of lump together as homeless, but there's a big difference between the people who didn't have the greatest education. Maybe they had some bad luck. Maybe they didn't have as much family support. They know how to function in the society. They just need a little boost to get there. And that's, I think, a group of people that could be helped by just giving them money and letting them run their own lives. There are other people
people who have these really serious mental illness and physical substance abuse issues, you can't do that with them. Like right now, we're trying to force everybody into the same model. Mm. And I don't think that that big brothery constant monitoring show up every day at 8 a.m. model works for some people. And I don't think it's good for them, honestly. I think you actually make people less dependent on handouts in the government if you give them cash and let them decide how to meet their needs instead of just specifically giving them what you think they need. I'm down for that. Jeff Bezos can afford it. Yes. He's already employed lots of homeless people, I suspect, living outside their cars at the Amazon Fulfillment Center or whatever. They pay so little. Yeah. A different plan for different sorts of people. I can see that idea working, but how do you sell that? Because in politics, it's always very simple ideas that ever make it. You can't give people complex ideas and have them vote on it because people are stupid. I wish I could disagree with that, but I don't. (laughs) I know. And I know I'm stupid too, right? Humans, we're not that great at having a million things in our head and these things are complex. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of homeless in Brisbane in the inner city, a lot more than what there used to be. And it's probably because of the climate here. You're never going to freeze to death and still generally pretty safe. I saw one guy sleeping in the ATM room. I don't know if you have this in the States, but in banks over here, sometimes they'll have a special glassed room with sliding doors that you can go into where the ATMs are. Yeah, we have that. Yeah? Yeah. Well, this guy, had gone into the ATM room. You can see it from the street. It's all well lit. That's where he's sleeping for the night. I couldn't believe it when I saw that. I thought that was very smart. Do you want to talk about conference? Yes, let's ah, talk yes. about conference. Ah, <laughs> oh, Nelson, he was just missing in action because he'd hurt himself. He did the videotape message that they played, I think, on Sunday, which offended a lot of people, apparently. That's what oh, I heard. What did he say? You know, they've been using this covenant path language lately, and now the new thing is to think celestial, you know, the top kingdom. But there were several speakers, including Rusty, who talked about how if you don't live a celestial life, you're not going to have a celestial resurrection, you're not going to have a celestial body, you're not going to be able to be with your family, then your kids probably won't be good, and they'll miss out on it too. And mm. You shouldn't believe anyone who is not in the church. Basically. Yeah. If they're not living the rules, you shouldn't be listening to them. Mm. You know, there's a lot that is not exactly good for the church right now. It's like they're doubling down, like the whole scandal with the tax evasion. Tim Ballard, you got YouTubers. <laughs> they're given the fire and brimstone in order to like whip up obedience. And a lot of people are finding that pretty alienating. Right. <laughs> I'm going to spend the rest of the evening just scrolling Exmo Reddit because everything people have to say about General Conference is cracking me up. They're like, should have never brought Rusty out. He looked all drugged up and like spacey like a corpse. Even more than normal. And now people are like taking over-unders on when he kicks it. And we should start a poll. <laughs> The Tim Ballard thing? Please explain. I don't fully get it, hey. So he's a douche in the sense that that's something you should never put anywhere near your vagina. (laughs) He ran for a while a group called Operation Underground Railroad, which started with these sort of sketchy raids in foreign countries mostly to... Stop child trafficking. Supposedly liberate people who are being trafficked. Okay. And then later they've stopped doing that. They give grants to police departments and stuff around the world and then claim credit for whatever they do. So this guy gets kicked out, right, maybe four or five months ago from Operation Underground. 
Underground Railroad. Kicked out from the organization he started. The reason he used to do these undercover missions, and he would often pretend to be part of a couple with some woman who he was not married to. Right. The allegation from seven or eight different women is that he would tell them for the sake of keeping up appearances, they needed to shower together, or they needed to sleep together, or they needed to kiss or whatever, abusing his position to take advantage of these women. But then at the same time, he'd been friends with the Apostle M. Russell Ballard, who apparently is not blood-related, even though they have the same last name. Every time they publish something about this, like, they're not related. <laughs> but, like, they were friends. The church put out a statement a couple of weeks ago that basically disavowed the guy and said, we don't agree with what he did, and he was taking advantage of the Apostle's name and using it in ways he shouldn't have. And they were very specific, but he did some things they didn't find acceptable, and that Elder Ballard had withdrawn his relationship for some really weird language like that. He pulled out. <laughs> At the beginning, like when it was first announced, there were a lot of people who really believed in him, like this faction of super right-wing Mormons who thought the church hadn't actually said it. Yeah. Other than the church confirmed, no, we really said it, which caused a lot of people who I think are idiots a lot of trauma. And that, of course, made me happy. Glenn Beck <laughs> among them. I don't know if you know who that is, but... I heard that he was an early backer of Tim Ballard's organization. Yeah. Super conspiracy theorist, right-wing Mormon convert. Yeah. Glenn Beck posted this whole thread on Twitter about the church and then he deleted it. And then there was a story that was going around the Exmo Reddit, which has not been confirmed in any legitimate news source that I've seen, that Tim Ballard got excommunicated. Can you be secretly excommunicated? Actually, most excommunications are done quietly. Now, obviously, you have to tell the people who run the local war and there's going to be an entry in membership records and all that kind of crap. Right. There have been times when that's happened, and it's usually someone who's a very public person. So if anyone would qualify, it would be this guy. <laughs> yeah. He was involved in that one, what was the movie? Sound of Freedom. Yeah. A heavily fictionized telling of his story. <sighs> Is there any truth to the idea that he did actually help anybody? They raised a ton of money. Of course. And they have given a lot of money away to various police departments. Vice Magazine did a whole series of articles on this and like we talked to people in Thailand, for example, where they'd done some of their stuff. Okay. Where they were saying they gave all this money and information to the Thai police, but the Thai police are really corrupt and brutal. Right. And a lot of the people that they spent that money enforcing against were people who were not being trafficked. This is the problem I have with self-appointed vigilantes. They don't have information systems that the FBI has. They're not trained in law enforcement, and those are the type of people that get it in their head that, oh, there's a pedophile ring in the basement of the pizza parlor in Washington, D.C., and they go there with an AK-47 to go save the children, and there is no basement in the pizza parlor, and there are no people being abused. Right. The FBI. They are the guys that go after people that are trafficking cross state lines. That's their job. We pay taxes for that. And they're the ones that know how to deal with other countries because it's the fucking FBI, not Mormons play acting as vigilantes for justice. It's like the people that stormed the Capitol. They thought that they were saving democracy. It's always a simple solution that these zealots pursue. The real solutions are always difficult and require effort talking to different people. People, multiple approaches, like with homelessness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But people just want to go in, oh, I went in there with the word of God and I cleaned out all of the bad guys. And, oh. It's insanity. Mm. 
so I can't say that they never rescued anyone. They probably did. And I'm sure that some of the money that they've given away has been used intelligently. Mm. Like Gigi said, these are absolute amateurs. So they pitched like they're still going out on these rescues. So they stopped doing that. Now they just give money away. It's a scam. And they're paying themselves a lot of money. Oh, yeah. The attorney general for the state of Utah is a guy named Sean Reyes, and he is a super right-wing dumbass. Like, he went to Nevada in 2020 to investigate voter fraud. He's that kind of dude. He was a really good friend of Tim Ballard's until he very recently denounced him. But one of the stories that came out about Tim was that he was using this Mormon psychic medium. Oh, right. I heard about that. Communing with the prophet Nephi, locating missing children. And charging $5,000 every time. Tim would, like, bring her places and he would follow her tips. I mean, obviously that's bonkers, right? That's totally bonkers, just like Joseph Smith. They asked the attorney general if he knew about that, and he's like, yeah, that's sometimes done in law enforcement. I'm like, really, Sean? Yeah, no, that is... These people are so stupid. I feel like I should move to Utah and put myself out there as a psychic. Oh. That is not how law enforcement should work. <laughs> this medium, surely the church wouldn't be a fan of that. Is that one of the reasons that Tim Ballard was dropped? I think it was mostly a combination of the sexual stuff and that Tim was dropping the apostle's name, like a silent partner and things that he's doing and stuff like that. Because the Mormons don't necessarily discount the idea of, I don't want to call it psychic abilities, call it divinely inspired revelation, <laughs> patriarchal blessings and things like that. Once you check your logic at the door for the Mormon faith, it's easy to check logic at the door for a lot of other things. Bennett. You're a mark. Because what was Joseph Smith doing? I'm going to find you some gold. <laughs> God is going to show me where. It oh, wait, it disappeared. Because you weren't faithful enough. Right. Different players, same goddamn stupidity. Yep. Did Tim Ballard get mentioned at all in the general conference? Not at all directly. There was a couple of speakers who talked about not idolizing any person who's not God, basically. <laughs> Prophets. Yeah. <laughs> and calling that a kind of idol worship. And I think that was directed at the Tim Ballards of the world. Because it's not just Tim or Glenn Beck. There's this whole, like, thread of Uber, QAnon, conspiracy theory, right-wing... Preppers. ...within Mormonism Yeah, that the leadership is not super comfortable with. Yeah, it's a total threat. Because, A, those people form splinter groups or take up arms. Mm -hmm. But also, it's not a good look, right? If you're trying to be a no. worldwide mainstream church and you're trying to convert people, you don't want to be identified with the loonies. Yeah. <laughs> and so they're having a hard time trying to figure out how to control those people. Yeah. You know who's winning, though? Dallin Oaks. Did you see the smile on his face at General Conference? If you can call it a smile. Maybe more a grimace. Ew. He looks like a Cheshire cat that's licked the cream. He's so smug, that fellow. He knows he's the next prophet. But I'm sure he knows exactly what he's going to change the name of the church to. And I can't wait to hear what it is. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints featuring Dallin H. Oaks. <laughs> Although the funniest thing I read on Reddit about the whole thing, somebody was like, you know, all that stuff about why you should question the church. But the thing that really got me was it's just freaking boring. It's boring. <laughs> 
time suck. There's nothing that's uplifting. It's anti-life. You could listen to a motivational speaker or a TED talk and get more motivation than you will ever get by walking into a board building and sitting there for two freaking hours. And it used to be three. <laughs> there was a study that was done, like the ex-Mormons making Exmo TikTok are the minority of people who are no longer practicing Mormons. A lot of them just got bored <laughs> or didn't feel connected and they just drifted away. Right. Like it's the people who make the TikToks were really in for a long time mm -hmm. and feel like they got burned. But most people are just like, yeah, I had better things to do with Sunday. And yeah. yeah. I didn't really care that much. I didn't know that many people and whatever. <laughs> and the people that were dedicated, they spent so much time with their brain completely wrapped up in this dogma that, of course, putting out content that is, I guess, anti-Mormon or just... Truthful. Yeah, yeah. truth. <laughs> <laughs> Critical thinking. Right. They, of course, are having that reaction. <laughs> I respect it. Patience. You're an ex-vangelical. That's a word that I like. <laughs> Do you feel the need to go back to people who are still in whatever religious background you have or to like think about it or challenge it or make content about it or you just like whatever? Oh, I do feel a need to push buttons. Whenever I come across religious people in my life, I just can't help but poke the bear. So I'll just make little comments, even on calls at work. Like that time, that guy, I asked him what his security questions were and one of them was, who was your best friend? And he said, Jesus. And from then on, I just kept poking him because he'd started it right. Uh, he was kind of flirting with me too, so he let me poke the bear. That's awesome. Maybe that's antisocial. I get it. I like that story. But it's probably part of the reason why I find doing this podcast so agreeable. To poke the bear really well, you have to know the stuff because then you know what the sensitive points are. Then you can be really precise. <laughs> yeah. You know all the weaknesses, all the incredibly illogical insanity. <laughs> Yeah. Definitely. I thought it was really funny in that Salt Lake Tribune article, they showed a picture of two of the reporters that were sitting through general conference. This woman had a head resting on the person next to them in solidarity with each other. It said so much with so little. It's true. <laughs> so my prediction is I see more and more and more Mormon women giving up their Xanax because you know there's nothing in the word of wisdom that says you can't smoke the dope <laughs> and going in for something a little bit bit more natural. They love natural. It's just chopped up veggies. Uh, that is the first step to opening up your mind at ditching the church. And being high would have to be the best way to get through a general conference. But there's no snacks. There's just like bread and water. Oh, it'll be brownies now. <laughs> right. I would think that something like that would change people's perception enough to where they would be like, oh, fuck the church. <laughs> yes, it would change their perceptions. Right. Wait until magic mushrooms become legal. I hope every Every woman in the Relief Society just go and get their prescriptions, give up their Xanax. Go natural for Jesus. Yeah, definitely. All right, Alma. Oh. <laughs> this first chapter sucks so hard from a grammar perspective. There's a preface, and then I would assume that there's a preamble to the first chapter. Is that right? There is. I do. I'm going to read it. I've got it right here. Yes. Go for it, Gigi. The Book of Alma, the account of Alma, who was the son of Alma, the first and chief judge over the people of Nephi, and also the high priest over the church, an account of the reign of the judges, and the wars and contentions among the people, and also an account of a war between the Nephites and the Lamanites, according to the record of Alma, the first and chief judge. And then chapter one, intro. Nehor teaches false 
false doctrines, establishes a church, introduces priestcraft, and slays Gideon. Am I saying that right? Nehor? Nehor! Nehor! It's a made-up name, so I think you can say it however you like. Right. And that would be Nehor! Nehor is executed for his crimes. Priestcrafts and persecutions spread among the people. The priests support themselves, the people care for the poor, and the church prospers. About 91 to 88 BC. Oh, sounds so simple. All right. Who wants to take the verse three? Brother Benjamin, go for it. Now it came to pass that in the first year of the reign of the judges over the people of Nephi, from this time forward, King Mosiah, having gone the way of all the earth, having warred a good warfare, walking uprightly before God, leaving none to reign in his stead. <sighs> Nevertheless, he had established laws, and they were acknowledged by the people. Therefore, they were obliged to abide by the laws which he had made. That was a shitty sentence. This guy is rambling. Mm. He starts off with, came to pass in the first year, and then he says, oh, but hang on, from this time forward, not just the first year, and then, oh, King Mazai is already dead. He talks about the past. What? What is this, <gasps> gone the way of all the earth? Does he mean, like, dead? Death? Or? No, he means dead. <laughs> that is just a bad euphemism. <laughs> Verse 2. And it came to pass that in the first year of the reign of Alma in the judgment seat, there was a man brought before him to be judged, a man who was large and was noted for his much, much strength. strength. <laughs> and he had gone about among the people preaching to them that which he termed to be the word of God, bearing down against the church, declaring unto the people that every priest and teacher ought to become popular, <laughs> and they ought not to labor with their hands, but they ought to be supported by the people. Joseph Smith has not named Nehor yet. This is just an unnamed man of strength who is large. He's not going to name him while you're reading the next three verses either. I know. He just goes on and on and on until he can't avoid a name any longer. Because he was still trying to decide what it was going to be. <laughs> yeah. He needed time to think. Verse 4, and he also testified unto the people, all mankind should be saved at the last day. I wonder how he testified. Like, if there's churches, they probably wouldn't have let him in there. Is he just out on the street on a soapbox? That just seems like a really unproductive way to spend your time. Why would he do that? Because he wants the people to support him. It's like, I bet if I tell them what they want to hear, they'll give me money and I won't have to raise copy brewers anymore. Because <laughs> they're just so cute and not very tasty and they want to raise them as pets instead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> testified unto the people that all mankind should be saved at the last day and that they need not fear nor tremble but that they might lift up their heads and rejoice for the Lord had created all men and had also redeemed all men and in the end all men should have eternal life <sighs> and it came to pass you know what? I don't think he should be saying and it came to pass because he's actually backtracking. He starts off saying it came to pass, but really what he meant to say, this is what's happened up till now. And then it had come to pass. Right. It's all wrong. No, I know what you're saying. And it came to pass that he did teach these things so much that many did believe on his words, even so many, that they began to support him and give him money. And he began to be lifted up in the pride of his heart and to wear very costly apparel, yea, and even began to establish a church after the manner of his preaching. Just like Smitty, hey? <laughs> and it came to pass... 
As he was going to preach to those who believed on his word, he met a man who belonged to the church of God, yea, even one of their teachers. And he began to contend with him sharply that he might lead away the people of the church. But that withstood him, admonishing him with the words of God. Got a <laughs> battle of the preachers. Now the name of the man was Gideon, and it was he who was an instrument in the hands of God in delivering the people of Limhi out of bondage. Now because Gideon withstood him with the words of God, he was wroth with Gideon. Oh, that doesn't make sense to me. And drew his sword. Oh God, a smiting is about to happen. He begins to smite him. He doesn't actually smite him straight away. Okay, so now, and drew his sword and began to smite him. Now Gideon, being stricken with many years, therefore he was not able to withstand his blows. Therefore, he was slain by the sword. How do you begin to smite someone? It doesn't sound right. It's smiting foreplay. <laughs> it's just a little stab. Doesn't put the sword all the way through. <laughs> Mihor has still not been given a name. Okay, so we just know that this guy is running around and he gets mad at Gideon because apparently Gideon is the real tongue of God. So he beats the shit out of him and kills him? Yes. Okay. The only reason I reckon Smitty gave Gideon a name is that he's using he and he in the same verse. It's starting to become confusing. Yeah. Once again, the whole pronoun problem, which Joseph has had before. <laughs> Verse 10. And the man who slew him, who is yet to be named, was taken by the people of the church and was brought before Alma to be judged according to the crimes which he had committed. And it came to pass that he who has not been named stood before Alma and pled for himself with much boldness. But Alma said unto him, Behold, this is the first time that priestcraft has been introduced among this people. And behold, I made up the word priestcraft. <laughs> I know. And behold, thou art not only guilty of priestcraft, but have endeavored to enforce it by the sword. And were priestcraft to be enforced among this people, it would prove their entire destruction. Huh. Let's not mention that murdering is wrong. This is the first time anyone has ever done priestcraft. <laughs> So, thank God there was already a word for it. I've heard the word priestcraft, but haven't known what it is. I still don't know what it is. <laughs> I don't either. Maybe it's like people who don't have divine priesthood have crafted it. It's artificial, not quite pure. I think from reading this that it's when you make money from being priestly. Well, then the whole church is doing that. They're making so much money. <laughs> Well, the church is, but not individuals, you see. I mean, unless you're higher up in the forum and then, you know, you got private jets. <laughs> so I found an article on the official church website on the dangers of priestcraft, and they provide a definition that you have already read back in 2 Nephi 26-29. It says, He commandeth that there shall be no priestcrafts, for behold, priestcrafts are that men preach and set themselves up for a light unto the world, that they may get gain and praise of the world, but they seek not the welfare of Zion. So basically, there are people who are pretending to be priests to get rich and to be famous. According to the index, because of priestcraft, Jews will crucify Christ. So oh. apparently that's what did that. <laughs> they were pretty crafty. Good Lord. Uh, that's what I like about them. All right. <laughs> Verse 13. And thou hast shed the blood of a righteous man. Well, you know what? The thing he really did wrong here and that he should be punished for was he killed someone. They could just stop at that because that's clearly what's in their law. They keep referring back to Mosiah 
Messiah's law that he set up for people. Where is it? We don't actually have that, no. No! In the Bible, you actually have the law, but we don't have that here. We wouldn't know what he said. It seems like it should be pretty important, though, for any Mormon. Well, I have no idea what the proper sin offering would be vis-a-vis copybores. <laughs> <laughs> Is it a heave offering? You just chuck one in the air? And I feel like this book should be answering those kind of questions. No, it just isn't. Does not. <laughs> and thou hast shed the blood of a righteous man, yea, the man who has done much good among this people. And were we to spare thee, his blood would come upon us for vengeance. Therefore, thou art condemned to die. Well, yeah, you killed someone. Oh, I can see that being a thing, even though it's pretty harsh. Uh-huh. According to the law which has been given us by Mosiah, you could almost say it's a mosaic law, but a different name sourced it. Almost. It's a mosaic law. A mosaic law. All right. Our last king. And it has been acknowledged by this people. How did they get it acknowledged? Therefore, this people must abide by the law. They have to kill him now. There's no <laughs> wiggle room or anything. I mean, maybe Gideon deserved it. We don't know what those two were saying to each other. I mean, they were just like preaching at each other. It was like a rap competition. A rap battle. And like somebody lost. Yes. <laughs> Verse 15. And it came to pass. This is the first proper and it came to pass after the point of where they brought him before him at the beginning of the chapter. And it came to pass that they took him and his name was <laughs> And they carried him upon the top of the hill, Manti, and there he was caused, or rather did acknowledge between the heavens and the earth that what he had taught to the people was contrary to the word of God. And there he suffered an ignominious death. (laughs) I mean, so I guess like they had him recanted on top of this hill and then killed him. Right. Just to send a message to everybody might ever want to do some priestcraft, but you know, I kind of feel bad for Nehor because here's why. He was speaking his truth. Now he's dead. They get to say that he was preaching priestcraft. <laughs> Maybe he was like a really good guy. We'll never know. Except for the stabbing. Oh, yeah. That, I forgot. <laughs> All right. You're right. I forgot about the stabbing. We don't know that Gideon didn't throw the first punch. <laughs> It says that Nehar drew his sword, but it doesn't say that Gideon didn't. History is written by the victor. And fiction is written by the author, so. This is true. Here I am treating like this is a historical document. Okay, verse 16. Mm-hmm. Nevertheless, this did not put an end to the spreading of priestcraft through the land. Oh, but I'm glad. <laughs> For there were many who loved the vain things of the world, and they went forth preaching false doctrines. And this they did for the sake of riches and honor. There's nothing wrong with that. I know. I don't know. Okay. (laughs) Nevertheless, they durst not lie if it were known for fear of the law, for liars were punished. Therefore, they pretended to preach according to their belief. And now the law could have no power on any man for his belief. And they durst not steal for fear of the law, for such were punished. Neither durst they rob nor murder, for he that murder was punished 
punished unto death. Oh my God. Great. So they followed the law because the law punishes you if you don't follow the law, just like it does in almost every society and culture. Good job, Joseph Smith. <laughs> I'm not even sure what I'm reading here. All right, Brother Ben, can you continue this so I can figure out what the hell is going on? Verse 19. But it came to pass that whosoever did not belong to the church of God began to persecute those that did belong to the church of God and had taken upon them the name of Christ. Yay! They did persecute them and afflict them with all manner of words. And this because of their humility, because they were not proud in their own eyes. You hate us because we're so amazingly humble. And because they did impart the word of God one with another without money and without price. Not even a hundred billion dollars? Yes. Ah, oh, and not property? And no tithing? I'm so confused. If we're going to talk about tithing in Book of Mormon terms, we'd have to say, and it came to pass. I don't think Joseph Smith had thought that up yet. Yeah. No, he's getting to it. There's a lot of things in this book, just really in general, he hadn't thought of yet. That's why you still have heaven and hell instead of the three kingdoms and why no mm. one talks about eternal marriage or any of that kind of crap because he hadn't thought of it yet. Or I'm sorry, it hadn't been revealed to him. <laughs> the worst that people would doing to the church, afflicting them with words. Oh, I'm sorry. That's called free speech. You can't muzzle people. So take a spoonful of cement and harden up. Buttercup. <laughs> Freedom. Oh. Yeah? America and all that. Oh. Uh, anyway, first one. <laughs> Now, there was a strict law among the people of the church that there should not any man belonging to the church arise and persecute those that did not belong to the church, and that there should be no persecution among themselves. Huh. Verse 22, nevertheless, there were many among them who began to be proud and began to contend warmly with their adversaries, even unto blows, yea, they would smite one another with their fists. So I guess smiting in this case doesn't mean killing. It just means hurting. Maybe that's what it's always meant. Maybe I mistook it earlier. I think so. Now, this was in the second year of the reign of Alma, and it was a cause of much affliction to the church. Yay! Yay! It was a cause of much trial with the church. For the hearts of many were hardened, and their names were blotted out, that they were remembered no more among the people of God. And also, many withdrew themselves from among them. Does that mean that many left the church? That's what it sounds like. Yeah. All right, JJ25. Now, this was a great trial to those that did stand fast in the faith. Nevertheless, they were steadfast and immovable in keeping the commandments of God. And they bore with patience the persecution which was heaped upon them. When the priests left their labors to impart the word of God unto the people, the people also left their labors to hear the word of God. And when the priests had imparted unto them the word of God, they all returned to Again, diligently unto their labors, and the priest, not esteeming himself above his hearers, audience would have been a better word, <laughs> for the preacher was no better than the hearer, neither was the teacher any better than the learner, and thus they were all equal, and they did all labor, every man according to his strength. 
I don't know why we're getting into the whole labor part of this. I think what they're getting at is that no one was like a professional preacher. Right, yeah. When it was Sunday, the priest left the fields to preach, and the other people left the fields to hear him preach, and then they all went back to the fields. Okay. Of course, if you ask anyone that's ever been an area bishop or whatever, they probably had to take a lot of time off their full-time job in order to just be a bishop, because there's a lot of work involved with some of these callings, right? There is. I think a lot of them end up cutting their family time rather than their work time or their bishop time. Yeah. 27. And they did impart of their substance, every man according to that which he had, to the poor and the needy and the sick and the afflicted, and they did not wear costly apparel, yet they were neat and calmly. (laughs) That must be how we get the Mormon look. Yeah. I wouldn't call it comely, though. It's neat and annoying. It depends on who's wearing it. (laughs) Verse 28. And thus they did establish the affairs of the church, and thus they began to have continual peace again, notwithstanding all their persecutions. And all of this happened in like six and a half weeks. (laughs) I know. And now, because of the steadiness of the church, they began to be exceedingly rich. This happened in the seventh week. (laughs) Having abundance of all things whatsoever they stood in need, an abundance of flocks and herds and fatlings of every kind, and also abundance of grain and of gold and of silver and of precious things and abundance of silk and fine twined linen and all manner of good homely cloth. What is good homely cloth? Oh, I know, I know. The garments. They're homely. Ah, well, they're certainly very snugly around your bitsly. Does this imply that? that it was made at home, but does it imply quality? I think it's supposed to imply humility, but also quality. (laughs) You know, like a really, really nice Amish hat or something. Yes, something the Amish would wear. So it's humble, but it's quality, but it's humble. It's like they have gold and silver and silk and all this crap, (laughs) but they're humble and they're not rich, except they are rich. They carry around their riches in this humble cloth tote bag. (laughs) Yes. We got naked people here in a second. Let's see what's going on with that. Oh, cool. Verse 30, and thus, in their prosperous circumstances, they did not send away any who were naked. No, they took advantage of them. (laughs) (laughs) Or that were hungry, or that were athirst, or that were sick, or that had not been nourished. And they did not set their hearts upon riches. Therefore, they were liberal to all, both old and young, both bond and free, both male and female. Oh, so liberal. Whether out of the church or in the church, having no respect to persons as to those who stood in need. Are there slaves in here? Well, yeah, bond and free. You know, I don't remember reading much about slaves. That implies that they're at least indentured servants. So they're just giving away everything. I mean, it sounds like a pretty socialist society. Sounds communist, actually. A little too socialist for my liking. (laughs) All right. Is it you, Patience? Oh, maybe it is. Yes. You got the last three. You got to bring us home. Oh, okay. Verse 31, and thus they did prosper and become far more wealthy than those who did not belong to their church. Joseph Smith is seeding people's minds that the way to the path of wealth is to be in the church. Prosperity gospel. And just give everything you own to the church and let the group redistribute all of your efforts. No, thank you. For those who did not belong to their church did indulge themselves in sorceries and in idolatry or idleness. 
and in babblings. What? Is that like speaking in tongues? And in envyings and strife, wearing costly apparel, being lifted up in the pride of their own eyes, persecuting, lying, thieving, robbing, committing whoredoms, <laughs> and murdering. I bet there were no more murders in the church as there were out of the church per capita. Right. He just has to talk about it like that's where all the bad things happen out there. I bet there was no fewer whoredoms either because they're all humans after all. Whoredoms are fun. That's right. <laughs> people just want to have fun. Mm-hmm. Oh, people. <laughs> just want to commit whoredoms. I know I've given up on whoredoms, but hey, I see the appeal. <laughs> I would be the person not doing the whoredoms. I'd just be doing the babblings because like that just appeals to me. That's fair. <laughs> Committing whoredoms and murdering and all manner of wickedness. Nevertheless, the law was put in force upon all those who did transgress it as much as it was possible. So the law of the land did what it could to keep people in line. But that's what you would expect from any society, even oppressive regimes. Why is he describing it like it's so amazing? Why am I so surprised? Why am I so disappointed with this book? I don't know. (laughs) I did just a really quick search about slavery in the Book of Mormon. Mm -hmm. I did find this very long article that was published in some Mormon journal or something about King Benjamin. Ooh, your namesake. Hmm? (laughs) Saying there's no slaves. King Benjamin was in Messiah. He's already dead. Right. So unless Messiah brought slavery back, it shouldn't be there. I think he did. He sounds like a taskmaster. (laughs) He's just gone for the easy solution. Here's my laws. We're going to have judges. You sort it out. Isn't trying to solve problems that are difficult. There's not going to be a king. I mean, that's probably a good thing, but his solutions were so simplistic. It's like there is going to be a king. We're going to call him the judge. (laughs) Someone needs to tell me what the difference is between the judge and the king. I'm not seeing it personally. Yeah, I'm not getting it either. No. If anything, they split up the clergy from the judges because the only one we've heard from so far is the high priest. And yet he was the one that commanded him to death. Yeah. Yeah. Shouldn't that be a judge? It's true. All right, patience. And it came to pass that by thus exercising the law upon them, every man suffering according to that which he had done, they became more still and durst not commit any wickedness if it were known. Durst. (laughs) Therefore, there was much peace among the people of Nephi until the fifth year of the reign of the judges. So three years. (laughs) You know, you just introduce a guy for one chapter and then you kill him. Uh Uh-huh. Like, I would have liked a little bit more character development there. Terrible writing. Oh. People bang on about how only God could have inspired him to keep it all together. He didn't keep it all together. Yeah. I remember when I was in seminary, they would talk about people have run this through computer systems and they found that in different chapters that there's no way it could have been the same person who wrote these things. And I'm like, if J.K. Rowling wrote freaking Harry Potter, why couldn't a guy sitting in a room with his head in a hat do a shitty job. This is not that great. <laughs> yeah. It definitely is not. I really, really wish he had lived longer so that he could polish this piece. Maybe it would have been less painful to read. Polish a turd. So next time I'm going to start roasting saints again now that we've gotten through the boredom of Mosiah. I just needed it out of my life. Yeah. And now I can get back to it. I've also been chatting with another colleague at work who might be interested in joining us on one of our episodes one day who is hilarious and quite a-religious so um, we seem to get their perspective on things too 
Yeah. Very fun. I gotta go to bed. Thank you both for giving your time to this ridiculous project. Sure. Sweet <laughs> dreams. See you. Bye. 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 Bye.